the Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Hello, this is Glenn Shumate with our guest today for the CA podcast, Shakuri Davis, who is the president of Next Generation Construction, a union carpenter, as well as a board member of Cleveland Builds and a member of Contractors Assistance Association. We also have with us today Myra Rosario from Latino Communications. Hello, hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Mr. <laughs> Davis, how are you? Pretty good. Thanks for having me today. Oh, our pleasure. A pleasure. It's uh, always good to see you and kind of hear what's new in the world of next generation and uh, big Browns fan. I think we have sitting across the table so we can hear what you're feeling about the Browns at this early juncture of the season also today. Oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get work over there, so I can't talk about that. All positive things. All positive things. <laughs> good start, good start. Yeah, it is. Um, so, you know, we've known one another for 14 years or so, and, you know, early after you probably started um, some of your union construction business. But tell us and walk us through kind of the who is Shakori Davis story. I mean, the uh, uh, city of Cleveland East Tech high school student and, you know, where'd you grow up and what was your pathway from uh, a teenager and a tot to um, uh, where you are today? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so, so my, my pathway to the construction industry uh, was very unconventional. So I didn't have anybody in my family who were actually um, in the trades uh, when I joined um, I grew up on, so I was born and raised on East 55th street, right across the street from East tech, uh, probably third generation, uh, living in the housing projects. And we moved around quite a bit. I mean, I actually went to, uh, three or four different high schools, okay. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, that, that, that actually works in my favor now because I know everybody, <laughs> sure, uh, sure. especially at least on the Southeast side. Um, so I also lived in the Union Miles area um, and also the Mount Pleasant area. So, you know, now we're doing a lot of the uh, southeast side renovation. So that becomes a little bit personal to me. Um, but uh, my first experience uh, with the trades in particular was uh, early on when I was um, seven years old. Um, seven. Yes. <laughs> nice. Seven years old. I remember it clear as day. Um, you know, my mom. um had me when she was 15 years old. Mm. So um, she was 22 when uh, there was a community benefits um, project going on in our housing projects where we grew up. And I'll never forget um, that concrete pillar with the electrical sticking out the middle <laughs> because uh, my mom brought me out there after everybody else left. Um, and that was her first introduction. She actually worked in the, the, the um, union, uh, uh, electrical union um, at that time. But after that project was over, there was no more work for um, those folks. So I remember how devastated my mom was at that time. So that was that was probably my first introduction to um, the trades. And, and you were seven at that point? Seven, yes. Mm -hmm. And how long do you think she worked on that? project and was it only at that 
housing estate project or were there? No, it was only at that housing estate project and it was for about a year. Okay. Right. So that was enough to actually taste it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember how, um, how strong and how my mom felt, you know, like, you know, she was doing a great service for the community and, you know, she was learning something, but there was no connections after that project was, was over. Um, so I, I experienced that firsthand. Sure, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> that might explain why, you know, I, I really have a passion for DEI in this industry, but, um, as it relates to my pathway to, um, the trades, uh, my mom introduced me to use of ASAP, uh, early on. And, um, I got into the HVAC, uh, building trades, um, probably when I was 19 years old. Um, and of course, uh, I was a knucklehead and not mature enough for that opportunity at that time. (laughs) And, um, um, it didn't last that long, but, uh, still have a great relationship with, uh, Tommy Jr. Whose father gave me that opportunity. And Tommy Um, Jr. Would be T.H. Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Still have a great relationship with him. And, uh, his dad gave me that opportunity. And it was interesting uh, at that time, and still to this day, I felt like I, I lived up to a stereotype, right? Um, African-Americans are, you know, either dead or in jail. And at that time, um, and it was three of us there, you know, one died, one went to jail, mm-hmm. and other, you know, it was that was like the, you know. How old were you at that point? I was 19. 19, so kind 19, of. immature. Yeah, we're all learning and 19. <laughs> Fresh out of East Tech? Fresh out of East Tech, right, right. Mm-hmm. Fresh out of East Tech. So um, it was a challenging time, you know, it's, it's you, you think about um, some of those times you, you've done one thing for 18 years, you know, uh, you know, at that time, I think my mom wanted it more for me than I actually wanted it for myself. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so use of ASAP was a union construction industry apprenticeship, pre-apprenticeship type program that ran in greater Cleveland for, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. It probably ceased in 2010, I believe. And um, I think it was meant to provide a construction experience, which isn't necessarily a career, but some exposure versus the career part. Uh, so we'll touch on your Cleveland Builds uh, <laughs> board member role, because I think that's the new version of the use mm-hmm. of ASAP program, but with the career intent versus the experience intent. Definitely. Right. And so I think that's an important part even to describe what your mother's program or her experience was with uh, yeah. her introduction to the to the construction trades. You also have some family history maybe of... Um, public service? I do. I do. Talk about that for a while. (laughs) So uh, that's pretty interesting because um, I've just learned this. And of course, the first person I called was Glenn to share it, right? He's the historian, (laughs) right? So um, um, my mom didn't like to talk about her past very often. Um, I think two years ago, she uh, shared with me um, that that, um, my uh, uncle who came over here with my grandmother, um, uh, who was James H. Bell, um, 
he was a young James H. Bell and who's, you know, Burton Bell Carr. Mm-hmm. Um, so and Burton Bell Carr is the Central Neighborhoods Community Development Corporation. Yes. BBC yes. Bell Burton Carr. Yep. Mm-hmm. CDC. So um, uh, I, I never knew that. I mean, you know, you grew up in the housing projects. You think everything is bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was no real connectivity to anything good. So um like two years ago, I actually learned that my grandmother came over with my uncle at that time, and um, he was uh, a councilman for the housing projects uh, that I grew up in. He had a lot of good relationships, right? Um, and a lot of that I see in myself. Yeah. So it was good to see that um, where it came from, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah. For, for, for a while, you know, it, I, I, um, I struggled, you know, with, even though I didn't know him, right. Mm-hmm. But, um, just to see that, you know, um, that I get it honest, mm-hmm. um, holds a little weight, Yeah, you know, that's awesome. knowing where you where knowing your lineage is lineage a little bit, uh, it helps because I know none of mine outside. Of, <laughs> well, outside. Just even the fact that he's a community builder and community is really important to you, right? Yes. So what is your neighborhood and like, what are some of the contributions that you're putting into the neighborhood? Oh, that's a good question. So I am all over the place. Um, um, but as it relates to that community that I'll, I'll always be connected with, so I works with I work with the councilman um, councilman Starr who's over in that ward. I, wor- I work with him often. We actually just had dinner uh, Tuesday. Which ward, ward are we talking? Ward five, about? which um, is central, central, mm-hmm. central, central neighborhood. And uh, you know the central neighborhood probably is defined by Tricy Metro on the north or northwest um, to probably Chester. Cedar, Cedar, mm-hmm. I'd guess, um, all kind of on the north. And then really the kind of the woodland kinsman yes. <laughs> out to, I don't Broadway. know, how, Broadway? Yep. Okay. Out to Broadway. So it's, it's a pretty big ward. Um, yeah. It covers a lot of ground. Um, but as it relates to that community in particular, um, so I, I work with um, – not only the councilman, but, you know, multiple uh, builders in that community as it relates to um, find helping them find the talent to work from the diversity and to work on their projects, either if it's um, uh, workforce or if it's um, another construction company in particular. Um, I think that is probably one of the most challenged areas in the mm-hmm. city of Cleveland. Yeah. Um, and as much as possible, um, I do try to reach out and maybe grab some talent from East Tech when able. Um, and uh, I try to do my part uh, very, how, how can I put it, uh, without being loud. Um, mm-hmm. As Glenn know, I, I probably do a lot that I don't, you know, really broadcast mm-hmm. that often. Um, but I'm very in, very intentional when it, when it comes to, you know, uh, bringing CMSD elements into the, mm-hmm. the building trades. So the ACE mentor program, which is housed or has a team or program at East tech has been looking for you. Just want to put that out there. In the atmosphere. <laughs> uh, you, you have been there with ACE and with other efforts uh, within the community to 
foster relationships and education um, uh, and, and connection to those young people. And you've done it with Ginn Academy and you've done it with other schools and other systems. And I guess in addition to the central neighborhood, I know you've also been involved in Miles Union, which is another yep. development corporation. Which yep. And what's that geography for Miles Union and what's that experience <laughs> been like uh, from a board standpoint? So, um, yes, I do sit on the board of uh, Union Miles Development Corp. Um, and it's been very interesting over the years. Um, now with the acquisition of the Mount Pleasant, or which now is creating the Southeast uh, Renovation or the Southeast um, Development Corp, you know, which eventually I might be saying too much. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, uh, so, so the Southeast Development Corporation, the city has had a implemented a initiative or yes. focus for the Southeast part of Cleveland. And I believe set aside $15 million yes. in seed money yep. and then other programming opportunities with CDCs and private sector to do neighborhood revitalization, if you will. Yes. Right. And so that probably stretches from central at 30th and Woodland to union miles, which is, I don't know, 131st or something. Yeah. So, so more so uh, probably the Broadway from Broadway, Broadway. to uh maybe a hundred forty of something in Harvard. Right. And then it switches over, but um, no, I'm sorry, all the way across uh, Lee road. So that's the whole Southeast side in particular, but um, the mayor uh, has been very intentional on making sure that um, development happens in the area that has been underserved for mm-hmm. years. Um, and I've probably been involved in, you know, um, that process since the beginning. Um, um, I, I probably put as many hours in uh, volunteering as I do, <laughs> as I do in running my company. Right. So that mean, I have, you know, I'm probably putting in 70 hours a week, but I, I, I am vested um, into making sure that the revitalization in that community is, 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 is in a good space. Um, and, you know, that's a way to leave legacy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it makes me think, oh, the next generation, right? Construction, you know, tell us where that name comes from. All, pun, sounds- all pun intended. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So I can't take credit for uh, where the name came from because um, <clears throat> I actually, uh, it was my, my company was called Cleveland Firestop at first. I was going to fire stop was huge, right? Especially in the healthcare arena. And, um, two friend of mine who, who went to Ohio state, um, uh, they were, uh, you know, jostling over a few names that, um, uh, and, and next generation construction came up and they, they called me, they said, Hey Shaq, you should call your company next generation construction. I wasted no time. I think the next day I actually changed it because, Mm -hmm. um, it was really spot on, right? I'm always, um, trying to help build the next generation. Right. So, right. You also have um, you talked about early getting into use of ASAP and becoming a um, HVAC employee, if you will, with TH Martin. But that's not what you're doing now, or have been doing for the last fifteen, eighteen years. So, what was the transition from that space as a you know HVAC worker to carpentry? That's a good question. Uh, well, I was fortunate enough to get a second chance to really get back into the building trades. And um, there was a, a gentleman who is probably one of the, the toughest individuals in my life um, as it relates to working with um, young men who 
had issues, right? Mm. His name was Mickey Williams. A lot of people might call him Mike the Roofer, uh, but he was a tough individual who always had tar over his truck. And roofing is brutal, and uh, he was even more brutal. But I needed that in my life. Um, and he introduced me to uh, a, a cabinet maker at one point. Mike actually knew that I didn't belong with him and the guys. Well, mm-hmm. not necessarily him, but you know, in the roofing world of. And he introduced me to a cabinet maker. And that cabinet maker, I remember going to him and saying, hey, I'll work for, for free if you teach me how to make cabinets. And he made me work for free. <laughs> but uh, um, but uh, the opportunity that I had with him actually prepared me to uh, reach out to the union um, to go into the carpentry world. And um, I, I struck gold on my first opportunity. Uh, my first opportunity, 20 20, 20, 21 years ago, uh, was with the company that um, did carpentry in in the hospitals, Cleveland Clinic in particular. Mm-hmm. So the first four or five years of my career in construction, I was at Cleveland Clinic and University Hospital. Um, so like learning a higher standard? Learning mm-hmm. a higher standard, mm-hmm. learning healthcare. And it really introduced me to, I mean, what I do now, I would say probably Forty percent of my work is in the healthcare industry. Good for you. Um, so I would like to say that you know, m- uh, me and my guys, we are we're, we're health- healthcare experts, right? We love the hard projects. Um, so I think that was that was probably my intro into that world. And so you worked for a per- cabinet maker. Yep. And then reached out to for free, for free, free. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Maybe, maybe not work. Let's say you interned or you <laughs> yes. shadowed or yes, and worked roofing during the day. Right. Okay. Okay. Boy. And, and then what? I mean, why did you reach out to union carpenters? How, how that process happened? Well, um, it went back to my roots, right? Like I said, I think I was more fortunate than most, even though it didn't work out great for my mom. It still stuck with me. That was my first introduction into some a better life, better world. Even though she only worked there for a year, you know, that always resonated with me. You know, even going back to use of ASAP, right? And getting into the union at that point. So it's that exposure that we talk about, you know, like ACE and like Cleveland Bills. And, you know, that ex- once that exposure is out there, it's like, it's, it's, once you taste it, you can't untaste it, right? right. <laughs> so, um, uh, it, it it only made sense to get out of the, uh, I mean, there's a huge difference between non-union and the union world. And I've, so talk, I'm, I'm very pro-union. Sure. So talk about that. <laughs> talk about what you see as the value of being a union tradesperson or a union contractor. What are the attributes and the positives? Well, um, I, I, I think there's no comparison. Um, I mean, um, I'm fortunate right now. Um, the union allowed me to raise four beautiful children mm-hmm. who all are college grads, right? I started oh, early, been a tracer. I started <laughs> really early. I'm 45 years old with four kids for, and, who graduated mm-hmm. from college. Uh, but um, I contribute that to the building trades. Um, mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends who um, worked non-union, who were self-employed, things of that sort. But I think the stability, the culture of uh, the union um, is uh, you can't compare it to to to, to anything. Um, the other value is school. Right. Um, and building those relationships, going through that struggle together, 
you know, with your classmates in school. Um, mm-hmm. um, it, it, interesting enough, when I went through class, it was only, uh, it was actually uh, three blacks. Um, Juan still worked for him. He's been my lo- longest employee. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, we've been rocking for about 20 years. His <laughs> name Darnell Chambers. Uh, okay, that's what I was wondering. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, and another one, the other, um, um, his name was uh, Ali. Um, and interesting enough, his son is actually probably going to go pro. His uh, mm. his son um, uh, plays for um, his son actually plays for Marshall College. He's a running back. He's okay. really good. Um, so. Uh, but I, I thought you were going to say the team up north because there was also <laughs> no, sightings of you up there no, sporting no. blue and gold. No, not that team, not that team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, it, but even though Ali is not no longer in the, the in in the building trades, um, it still allowed him to have that type, you know, help, yes. you know, help build the culture inside of him that you can see it resonated to his. Uh, the discipline to his son, et cetera, et cetera. He's boxing now. Okay. He's a boxing coach. But um, the building trade has just always um, helped give a little bit of structure that, you know, that some of us didn't have. So being a contractor, an employer, mm-hmm. I mean, you have choices of, you know, where your source of workforce will come from or to be union or non-union and, Again, you chose union, mm-hmm. as you said, because of some of the values and opportunities, not just they afforded you, but what would you say to someone that is looking to start, become a contractor and why would they want to consider being a union contractor? That's a very good question. Um, <clears throat> so um, I would say that uh, it would be the most expensive process <laughs> in your life, but uh, valuable. Um, so if you think about, uh, especially being, um, and I have to hit the diversity yeah, um, aspect because I'm diverse. Yes. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges with building any company is getting good talent, right? It's getting um, a workforce. I mean, you know, um, I think I do think that the workforce sometimes is extremely um, undervalued. Um, and uh, I know a couple companies that started when I started um, in the non-union space that has not they haven't scaled. Right. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the workforce. So the value of um, being a union contractor is uh, you actually have these pool of great educated men that has that have a house note or that has kids in college, right. That have a car note, right. That has responsibilities um, that the union has allotted them to have, you know, by being paid a good wage. So it's just the Mm -hmm. whole culture is everything that goes along with it. Right. You kind of know who you're getting for the most part. Right. Not saying that that doesn't exist in the non-union world, but, um, I would definitely say the union world, you know, um, outnumbers that it, it comes with some assurance comes with a lot of assurance. Right. right yeah. Um, and then you as a business owner can make more conscious decisions of like, Oh yeah, I can take on that project because yes. I can pull 20 well-qualified carpenters. So yes. yeah, that is amazing. It is. It is. Um, and, and that's, you know, definitely one half, half of the story of being a business owner, right. right? You know, having that, 
you know, I couldn't imagine having having to worry about this and worry, you know, worry about labor and worry about, you know, all these other areas. Well, I'm fortunate too. being a carpenter. Um, I do think that, you know, um, some carpenters are a little biased and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll come work. They'll come work with me. Right. Because of the relationships I might have formed over the years. And just because I come from the building trades, you know, I respect me and I respect their craft. And I do feel like I have an understanding of some of the things that they go through. And my humble beginnings, right, um, also kind of connect me to most tradesmen. I would imagine that um, most most men who are in the trades uh, probably come from some type of hum- humble beginning, whether they're white, black, Hispanic, or whatever, right? Italiano here. Yeah, or, or, or Italian, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Or Italian, right? Or, or Irish. Or Irish. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Right, right. All that, all that, all that, right? Yeah, you're right. I, yes. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, you know, kind of the culture part of this, and there's two somewhat related questions, but family mm-hmm. you spoke of earlier. And so talk about your family chose not to be in construction, I, I, I know, right? <laughs> Thank you so, for asking that question. I was curious. So, yes. I mean, your wife, you can talk about kind of her uh, profession and career, and mm-hmm. maybe she's easing her way into construction. And what about any of the four? Any of the four looking at right. construction? Yeah, so tell us. That's interesting, right? Uh-huh. Thank, thanks a lot, Glenn. <laughs> uh, so uh, my my experience uh, with family and the construction um arena was different because, um, of course, um, I didn't want, I have three girls and one boy. I didn't want any of my daughters to do anything with construction. Right. Mm -hmm. I regret that a little bit, you know, but that's maturity. You learn over time, right. Automatically. Hey, push them straight to healthcare. They're good. You know, Mm -hmm. I have a job forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but my son, um, who actually works for my company, it's been about six weeks now. So I'm excited you know, graduated from college. Um, and now he's coming to, he's, he's, he's working for the company. He's actually, um, humble, his humble himself and he's working in the field, which I love. Uh, He's actually working up under my wife's company. Mm. Right. Mm. (laughs) So, uh, my wife actually started a plumbing company. Uh, Mm. it's called next generation service group. Mm. Uh, right now we have about eight plumbers. Um, and, uh, it's exciting. Um, so it's, it's a veteran-owned, female, minority-owned, um, all the certs, all right? The <laughs> all the certs, right? <laughs> uh, company, and, um, you know, we're, we're really starting to ramp up a little bit. Uh, we have a couple good projects out there. You know, we're doing the parking garage over uh, at the Sherwin-Williams Project and doing a couple projects over UCI and um, University Hospital. Um, you, you and your wife or... Is, so, so you partner sometimes on projects. You that's know good. what? How about this? Even when my wife ain't involved, it's still hers. Your wife's company. <laughs> my wife's company. Right? Even my company is my wife's company. Uh, yeah, no, I know. It reminds me of uh, Trevor and Morgan. Too. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love 100%. it. Power couples. I love it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> that's um, beautiful. And my wife, she's very, uh, like a great example, you know, to, uh, just giving a tribute to her. Um, uh, every my, the foundation of next generation construction in particular was all my wife, right? Mm-hmm. All while she's working her job, right? And I'm doing the roofing and I'm doing uh, all of the um, 
working for the cabinet maker, right? So, and she's, you know, working her full-time job 10 hours a day, cooking, cleaning, um, doing all the paperwork, doing the taxes, you know, everything at home, you know, all of those variables for all those years, right? We didn't really have, I mean, I think I've been in business for 15 years. And honestly speaking, probably within the last three or four years, I've really scaled and built a, a, a pretty big office, well, all of that was my wife. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah, so uh, why God gives them. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> let's just keep it real. Yeah, right. right. I, I have no complaints there. You're right. I'm an right. advocate. What was uh, what was the work that she was working in, like operations? Be, be, so she was working for a company called United Health Group, mm-hmm. and I can tell you, um, she was devastated when they went under. Right, mm-hmm. and I couldn't understand it because we did pretty decent financially at that point, mm-hmm. but she was so connected to her work and I'm talking about maybe for two years right mm-hmm. I'm like well we cool you know <laughs> you know but just that connection um and just being a great person right mm-hmm. being a great person the relationships she made over the years and just that connection but um it really worked in my favor because she was able to keep being the foundation of yeah. what really built next generation construction so yeah. um my, my wife is a definitely a silent um, treasure uh, um, to the success of next now generation is she involved in CEA and some of the things and she will not be no no nah, okay. it's, it's not, <laughs> not not yet she's yeah. not but she will be don't say she's we not we gotta invite her to the next CAA uh, networking yeah uh, it, it's, she's she's different too um, like everybody's a little different she's not uh, she's not that outgoing right she's um, think about it um, so I come from uh, come from the housing housing projects, right? Um, nobody before my kids, nobody ever graduated from college, and all four of my kids graduated from college. Mm-hmm. I'll take that over her out here networking and sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, I mean, for she's me, running the household. She's that, running the household, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that. Just the imagine, business and the household. The business <laughs> and the household. Just imagine how much that allows me to do, right? Yeah. Not having to worry about that. So she's right. doing her part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool. No complaints yeah. there. Good. <laughs> I love the. Um, black owned legacy building company that you're building, especially that your son is getting involved now. I mean, you know, I've sat on these podcasts and so many of those stories are, you know, Hey, my dad put me to work. I started working in the field and now third generation, you know what I mean? So this is really incredible to have like a company like yours in Northeast Ohio, part of CEA. And uh, I love that you're, you know, you have this special niche in the hospitals. What are some of your um, like notable projects that you've worked on over the last, let's say 15 years? Got it. But you mentioned one thing too, and I want, I do want to give a shout out to uh, CEA in particular. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the biggest reasons is um, that maturity um, factor, right? I think once I met Glenn, once I met, you know, a lot of the members here over at CEA, right? There's nothing like being in a room. There's nothing like, you know, the value that comes from, you know, seeing men who done, you know, what you're trying to do, right? Right, um, yes. right now, as my company continue to scale, I actually reached out to somebody who worked for another, a larger CEA company. He's retired now, right? But uh, being able to see him move and how he operated, you know, in CEA, you know, allowed me to... Um, to think like, hey, this guy has some added value over here. So um, the value the CEA has afforded me over the years, um, 
uh, have, have, have been priceless. Right. right. Uh, of course, not without his bumps and bruises, yeah. <laughs> but, but, nothing, uh, yeah. but uh, it, I, I couldn't imagine being where I am right now without having access um, to, to that, um, to those learning factors. But some of the projects that I'm working on right now, or just in general that I've worked on in, in, in time past, uh, one is Sharon Williams project. Um, I mean, I think this is probably the largest project I've ever done in my Congratulations. life. Congratulations. Right? So right now I'm doing, uh, and this is, you know. Um, what are you doing for them? Uh, I'm I'm going to get there. I'm yeah. doing everything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have, I might have like, honestly, I might have like 35 guys down there. So mm-hmm. I'm doing all the metal studs and drywall for a company called um, Thor out of Chicago. Um, I am doing uh, all the uh, ceilings, right, for that company, Thor. I'm doing the metal studs. I'm sorry. I'm doing the doors, frames, and hardware for um, Welty Gilbane team. Um, and also, I, I believe I'm I'm in line to do the accessories as well. So, um, I mean, that's probably the biggest project that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and shout out to my team. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a, <laughs> I have a solid team. Right. Good for you. Um, you know, who empowers me to go after the tough projects. Right. Um, and um, allow me to um, continue to do what I do best. Well, one of the things I do best. Right. I used to price all the work and I used to have to be so hands on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because as a small business owner. Right. No bid went out without uh, you signing no, off on it. No right? bid went out when I'll be signing off. Right. And I would, and it has to be ha- have to come in the day before. Right. Because if it came in that same day, no way it's going out of the door. because right. It's not vetted. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Shout out to my team for bringing that comfort over time, right? And that comes with building a great culture and um, having a little bit of stability. And I think right now uh, my team um, uh, um, allows that. But some of the other projects, Eaton World Headquarters was my first great taste into a large project. And boy, did that job take me under. Yeah, and gave you some experience, huh? (laughs) Some experience, right? (laughs) Probably the best job I ever had. But interesting enough, too, uh, going back to CEA and having that relationship, um, Albert Higley actually was the construction manager on that project. And um, I got a great opportunity to spend time with, uh, and look, even though I got crushed on that project, right? And I would advise anybody getting into the business not to take the type of deal that I took, right? <laughs> and also to understand your numbers because I didn't, I didn't put together my, that was the first problem, right? I didn't put together my own spreadsheet, right? Um, you're in which, still learning. Uh, uh, I shouldn't have been learning on that project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but uh, uh, I would definitely say Dave Pastor and uh, Dave Meehan, who were um, both running that project for Higley. Um, I mean, they were more than generous with um, making, sh- you know, making sure that um, uh, I was able to ask the questions. I was able to learn from that experience. I was. I mean, I really grew. Out of the misery I dealt with. So <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Huh? <laughs> right, right. I know, sensing I, a little trauma over here. Oh, right. oh, big time, right? I know what happened. How about that? Sure, sure. <laughs> so, you know, I've heard people say, um, you know, how do you get started in construction? And they say, well, you are fortunate or unfortunate enough to win a job. And then you lose money. Mm. And then you learn. Mm. And then you decide you're going to get up again and get better. And so... Talk about, 
the story or the experience of once you lost on Eaton Project, what did you do? How did you recover? What What was your next step? Uh, as as um, Ira said, I'm still traumatized. Right? I haven't recovered yet. <laughs> but uh, you know that that so one of the things. So I have a saying, right? Sometimes you got to go backwards to go forwards, and we can come back to that later when we're talking about scaling the company, mm-hmm. right? And that's a model that I really live by. And in that case, um, um, I realized what I didn't know by being in the fire on the Eaton World Headquarters project. And um, it it was interesting. I lost everything, right? I lost, um, I mean, it wasn't just that project. It was just being not being a very good businessman. I actually owned 12 houses at that time as well. Um, and I was trying to open a restaurant. Remember that, right. Glenn? I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> right. in, a, um, in a key spot in the city. <laughs> I don't know about the key spot, but, but I was doing I was doing too much at that point, right? And I, I pretty much lost everything. And I actually had to leave the suburbs and uh, bought a, uh, uh, I'm going to come back to, actually bought a $15,000 house in Lee Road and did all the work on there. And that's the house that um, I lived in for a while. Um, but, um, that was all by design doing that because it allowed me to one, not have a mortgage. It was in a decent area of the city and my kids can go to a decent, uh, public school, right. And John Hay, right. Shout out to John mm-hmm. Hay for and ACES really attached to John Hay. Yes. Um, so I was fortunate for the, uh, the CMSD had that, but, um, it allowed me to go and work for a company I wanted to emulate. Right. Um, who had office in every healthcare institution that I know um, from UH to Metro to Cleveland Clinic. And um, I worked for them for ten dollars an hour. Right. Um, so you'll see <laughs> people. Uh, um, and I really wasn't work for the money. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, we needed the money. Yeah, I'm not sure. saying we didn't. But uh, I worked for them for almost three and a half years in their office, learning how to estimate, learning how to manage, learning how to run an office. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I really paid my dues. And the guy I worked for was tough. Right. But if you look at looking back at the pipeline of talent that he kicked out Mm -hmm. of his um, office. Right. um, uh, I wouldn't take that back for the world. Right. So I do believe in. Sometimes you got to go backwards to go forward. So I actually cut down. Uh, I mean, I, I actually stopped my company for for a while. Um, and um, of course, I took a, a, a lot of it was a lot of brutality that came from that. Um, you know, hey, Shaq's a front company. Hey, Shaq's this, Shaq's that. Right. But they didn't know I went back to school. Right. So I, I went back to learn everything that I didn't know. But an opportunity came back, came up from Gilbane you know, right after that. And I was right back in action, right? Because mm-hmm. I was able to do everything myself. It was almost like the karate kid, you know, paint the fence, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you know, wax yeah. on, wax off, right? Sure. So when the opportunity came up, you know, I was able to wear four or five hats. And and also, let's not forget about my wife, right? I put put her back in operation <laughs> as well, right? <laughs> you know, uh, with helping, you know, uh, handle things that I didn't, I didn't have to worry about, so... Yeah, they say you learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. Oh, 100%. Right. Definitely. It, it doesn't feel so good. But. Would you say you were an early entrepreneur and maybe made some operation mistakes that caused that? Or um, is it like you jumped in too early? Like what 
What are what maybe some advice even or the thing the thing you learned the most maybe? I, I like that. So um, I will always say that I was an entrepreneur by spirit, mm-hmm. <laughs> always right. Um, and I can even take that back to my mom. Right. I remember you know being in housing projects and you know my mom she don't she wouldn't mind me saying because she's great and I love her. And my mom and dad was battling with substance abuse and all those different variables. My mom was always an entrepreneur by spirit, right? I remember her writing a book, right, mm-hmm. um, early on, right? It didn't go anywhere, but she mm-hmm. did it. Remember her buying real estate. It was the worst deal she ever made, but she did it, right? <laughs> <laughs> she knew what she wanted. <laughs> right, right. She's always, and I tell her, right, still to this day, she's still trying to start. I'm like, hold on, whoa, mom, chill out, you know, enjoy life. She's on vacation right now, so I'm happy about that, right? <laughs> enjoy life a little bit, you know. Um, you you did your job, right? Your job was not necessarily to be, um, and this is, you know, um, poignant, you know, for me. Her job was not necessarily to um, to start the business. It was to plant that seed in me, right? Because, yeah. you know, um, I seen it, you know, hey, you've done your job. And I believe that was liberating for her, you know, Good. to know that, you know, even though you weren't successful in business, right? You know, your job was actually to plant that seed in your son and for me to be able to, you know, start it, right? So technically I didn't start it. You started it first because you planted that seed. So, um, and you have other family members who are also having success in other areas, right? (laughs) I do. I do. Um, so one is, um, one is, um, my brother who works for me. Um, he's actually a truck driver, right. But just good to see his past of where, you know, um, getting from where he came from to being able to be in the business. The other one is, um, my brother Demetrius, um, he actually works for um, the company that I worked for, and he's a project manager estimator. But his path to um, getting there was very unconventional as well. Um, he never done construction. Uh, it was almost uh, it was a great opportunity that he learned and kind of ran with. But um, what was unique about that? Should I get into the uniqueness? Sure. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what was uniqueness unique about that is um, uh, he was oh, okay. okay. Yeah. What was unique about that was um, you know he was he actually came through a CEA and a Urban League program, mm-hmm. and after he finished that program, um, he reached out to me and he said, "Hey, bro, I want to come work for you." But remember, I got eight arms. I wanted to do everything myself, right? <laughs> I wanted to be the estimator, project manager, all those different variables. So I said, look, this is what we're going to do, right? Um, I'm going to introduce you to a company, and you're gonna, I'm going to pay that company $10 an hour, right, to train. I'm going to pay you $10 an hour, and you're going to go work for that company. They're going to get you for free, right? And after four months, right, yeah. four months, I'm going to go back to that company and I'm going to tell that company, hey, I want you back. Right. And they're going to tell me, no, we want to keep them. Right. Nice. You know, because you can't untaste something you've sure. already tasted. Right. And I had confidence in him. It was just like his college. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> after four months, uh, I went to that company and I said, hey, uh, of course, I was tired of paying his uh, <laughs> $10 <Yeah>. an hour. <laughs> but I said, hey, uh, 
I need him back. And they said, oh, Shaq, can we keep him, right? And he's been there for about seven years now. Wow. <laughs> so, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, that's, that's the good part. The bad part is I'm trying to get him to come back. It worked for me, right? <laughs> and I haven't been that successful uh, at it. But it just shows that, and that's my motto, if you have added value, right? People, Absolutely. Truth be told, people don't care how you look. They don't care where you come from. They don't care. Now, now that's... It's, it's unfortunate, right? Because we all need chances and opportunities to uh, learn that value, right? He was fortunate that he had a, a brother who um, understood how understood people, right? Mm-hmm. And um, was a little strategic in, in that aspect. Uh, but um, proud of him, and uh, he's doing very well. For I love for that some. idea. Yeah, it is. that's a great idea. So, in the line of that, is um, scaling and growing businesses mm-hmm. and growing people. Mm. Um, you have had your hand in helping to shape, evolve, train, support, provide projects, have multiple breakfasts and lunch meetings <laughs> per week. We reached out to for consultation, advice, suggestions, probably both on the workforce worker side, but also on the business knowing you know, your success, people look to, Hey Shaq, can you have lunch with me? And can you help me? I mean, what, what drives that in you and what do you see in our industry as the need opportunity for in particular diverse businesses, um, to have access to maybe not mentors, just people who can really help and develop them in the same way that you were. That's a good question, Glenn. Uh, so, um, and, and Glenn asked that question very humbly because I always call and complain to him, right? <laughs> um, you know, not that I don't want the phone calls and not that, you know, um, but you know, our, our, our people, um, in particular, when I say our people, um, African-Americans, um, have an access to, um, we're visual people, Right and having access to companies and organizations to teach you how to start a business and, yeah. um, and sustain a business um, is, 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 is challenged, right? Uh, I.e. going back to my experience, right? How did I learn? You know, people say, oh, wow, you know, we'll just get some tradesmen and we'll help them start a business. No, right? I was fortunate. I had access to a company that's been around for 100 years and I, I was able to learn their system and mm-hmm. I was able... You know, I'm not a creative guy. I'm not Steve Jobs, right? (laughs) But what I can do is I can actually go inside of a system and learn how they do things and I can put in the work, right? And I'll do that for countless and countless hours. So one of the things that I will, and I am a a workaholic. And one of the things that I like to do is give back to um, all those companies who would not have that experience, right? Who would not have access to... um, you know, uh, um, how organizations, institutions actually run efficiently and, and, and became, become sustainable, you know, over time. So uh, one of the things that I do in particular is, excuse me, one of the things I do in particular, particular is um, actually meet with uh, diverse companies um, often. I mean, uh I would be surprised if I didn't get two or three calls per day, you know, from diverse organizations 
on just point um, tips and pointers and, hey, mm-hmm. can we have lunch? Hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Right. It can be extremely exhausting. But I, I remember during the pandemic, it was really tough. I mean, like Lynn said, I probably was meeting with it was my goal. Right. Especially after at that mm-hmm. point. I think I might have took a, a slight sabbatical <laughs> from CEA, right? <laughs> and I, I might have felt guilty because I wasn't doing my due diligence. But one of the things I did was I, I, I met with diverse con- uh, do, I, at least three times a week. I was meeting with a new company, yeah. right? At least three times every every week for almost a year, right? Mm-hmm. And just answering those questions, and um, you know, it's, it's that work that. You might not see me with a bullhorn. I'm not that guy. You're not going to yeah. see me loud and boisterous. But uh, I try to put in the work with, you know, helping uh, a lot of companies sustain. I have, I have a question. So <clears throat> I, I don't I truly don't know the answer. Um, so if you're a minority construction company, do you mm-hmm. have to be certified with the state to bid on contracts and things like that? And is that what you're coaching? And, and let me ask the same question a different way, right? Mm-hmm. So the importance or value of inclusion mm-hmm. in the construction space. And there is a certification process, which mm-hmm. verifies from a public owner standpoint that you are an MBE or an edge or female or veteran and all those statuses. And that, how do, I mean, that's a part of it, but it's mm-hmm. not enough of it generally for just having a certification like that. Is that fair to say? That's a long no. Right? <laughs> wait, wait, what's, what's the no? <laughs> uh, a no as is not enough. Um, so, um, and it really goes back to what I spoke about um, earlier, right? How, how do you create it? How do you become added value? How do you become added value, value to the process? Like, um, so the cert- going back to the certification aspect, right? Definitely get certified. You know, and truth be told, I would not really operate in areas that um, did not value certification. Right. Because the first thing it shows, it values um, me uh, as I mean, if 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 a if a company or organization is being intentional, because we have to be honest, intentionality is needed. Right. The industry is the construction industry in particular is almost 80 plus 80 high 80 percent uh, white. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it shows that, Hey, we need to, especially in a city like Cleveland. Right. So um, definitely uh, go after certs. The other thing about certification is it actually, it helps give you a little, gives you access to the room. Right. Think about how many, um, how many rooms, me in particular, right? I can't name how many rooms I would not have been in unless uh, there was some type of DEI initiative. And that's one of the things that we have to be honest about as a people, as an industry, et cetera, right? Would you have been intentional if I didn't have this cert? Would you have been this intentional if um, I did not, um, uh, if, if I wasn't part of a quota, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the, 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 the struggles that, that we live in right now. And especially we're really bad battling that from the top, um, uh, from the top down. No, but I, I, I mean, I, I like your point about the fact that 
it it helps com it makes companies be intentional about mm -hmm. their minority opportunities, and that is necessary as we grow businesses and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, this has been really. And one one other thing there too. So, uh, so there's also <clears throat> challenges, right, <laughs> within the ecosystem if we label it that. And so having certification is part of it, but having added value is really the crux mm -hmm. of it. Yes, is in your philosophy of growth, success, and scaling. One hundred percent, right? If if you know, and and that's the other variable there, right? If if you've been around fifteen years, twenty years, and um, and so here, so as it relates to scaling, right? I think it's important. I, I think if you're a diverse contractor and you're contrib, you're 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 um, benefiting off of uh, DEI initiatives, you should almost be entitled to scale, right? And the only reason that I say that is, um, is because you should always be bringing added value to the process, right? I. I've always felt that um, I should be harder on myself, you know, um, because I am I'm actually receiving incentives. Right. When you, when you, when you think about it. So um, and also as it relates to now that you see, I'm cho really choosing my words correctly. This <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're like, uh, uh, now that I'm in leadership, Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right now, great experience, great experience. Mm -hmm. But it just is very eye opening to um, it, I recommend anybody go through leadership mm -hmm. Cleveland. Um, uh, um, that that program is extremely eye open, eye, eye opening. Right. But mm -hmm. it just it really spills out the need for intentionality. Yeah. You know. Um, but, uh, as it relates to scaling, I do feel that, um, we have not, um, in Northeast Ohio in particular, right. We haven't really scaled, um, most diverse companies have not really scaled to the levels that, um, I believe that, um, we're capable of doing for numerous reasons. Right. But, um, I'm extremely hopeful that, sure you know, the process. And yet there's probably in what we don't know. I mean, there's optimism that yes, things will get better. There's optimism that there will be increased success and inclusion and scaling among diverse firms. And you don't always have to fight the fight. Mm. And, but as we have talked over the years, Shakur, I mean, <laughs> we can look around the country and figure out, well, who's doing it great. Well, we hear Atlanta is, but are they really right? I mean, who can we identify aside from the one or two large companies, which we could probably say in Cleveland, based on the scale of Cleveland to Atlanta. Okay. We have one or two or three or four large companies who are doing okay. Yet, you know, it may not be Chicago, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Columbus markets that you've been in. You know, I think we all have to communities develop their own identity mm -hmm. and kind of be the best Cleveland, we can be. <laughs> Cleveland has certainly had has challenges, has had its share of challenges, and part of that is the collective coming together um, mm -hmm. and creating the right kind of ecosystem. You've been, you are part of, have been part of a number of initiatives and efforts uh, uh, to help educate, inform, grow, scale, develop. You know, diverse contractors and meeting with owners. Mm -hmm. um, City of Cleveland is currently 
kind of going through a CBO community benefit ordinance process and you've had conversations about development. So, so talk about challenges of Cleveland and yet the opportunities today. Oh, that's huge. Well, um, the opportunities are definitely led by owners, right? Um, uh, I think that um, in Northeast Ohio in particular, um, if you see growth, if you see opportunities, most likely it's because of a owner uh, is behind that, right? I mean, when you think about contractors and developers, things of that sort, it's a business decision. And it's hard to get businessmen to see, to do uh, good hearted things, right? It's about, the, it's about the spreadsheet. It's about the performance, very nu- numbers based, right? So um, I, I definitely recommend that um, any owner institution uh, take a little bit more pride in um, uh, making sure that intentionality in the DEI space um, happens up under them. Um, but I am um, slightly optimistic about uh, the future of Northeast Ohio in particular. And with, you know, the CBO and the CBA, this um, CBA is really coming out in play. I think that opportunities here are um, immense. Right. And and this is just so this is 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 twofolds. Right. Um, for me. Right. And where I am as a business owner and where I am. Um, as a contractor, um, I believe that, um, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want, um, I like to speak as a whole, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I do feel like I've really positioned my company, um, to be, you know, uh, that owner can come to me, they can trust me and I can put together a complete deal and I can, you know, uh, partner with, um, a large majority contractor and I can be an added value on that project and I can do so many different variables, but I understand that um, unless an owner is, uh, unless I have a seat at the table, unless um, uh, an owner is being intentional, then um, most likely that won't happen. Right. As long yeah. as uh, they're dealing with a majority on a majority contractor and giving them, the ability to pull me into the deal, then that's exactly what we're going to get. But um, as a whole, in a culture of DEI in Northeast Ohio, I think we got a long way to go. Um, I think that um, we do need some stronger organizations, right? We we almost need like that one org, right? Glenn might hear me talk about that mm-hmm. all the time, right? Who's the org, right? Who's that organization that we can go to for everything, Right. That point guard to actually uh, not only us, but I mean, us as being uh, minorities, but also the majorities. Right. I mean, I think that we really need to find a way to make everything easy and streamlined, you know, as it relates to CBO and divert and, and DEI in particular. Once we resolve that, once we start getting those dollars to go to one specific organization and they realize that, hey, um, this is a multi-billion dollar industry and uh, we can really change lives if we can be intentional and go to one specific area and, you know, find contractors, find workers. I mean, we're well, not really workers because we're union, right? We can go to the union hall for that. 
But I mean, as it relates to project managers, estimators, you know, all those different variables, I had to clean that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and um, um, I think once we can find, um, especially when we're talking about um, the east, the southeast side of Cleveland or just the east side in particular, um, I don't think we have. And also the west side. Right. I don't want to forget about the west side. Right. I believe that once we find um, that point guard is going to be extremely intentional and treat it like a real business and help develop other businesses. I think we'll be in a good space because when you think one last thing about that, right? We, I definitely see it from both angles, right? When we're talking about DEI, mm-hmm. um, if I wasn't diverse, I would think this is tiresome, right? I would think that I just want to go to work, go to work, do my job and go home. Why do I have to think about all these other things, right? Why do I have to be, um, why do I have to take extra thought <laughs> into, <laughs> into somebody else's livelihood and things of that sort, right? I, under, I understand that. I thank you for doing it. I thank you for being intentional. Um, but uh, I do think that we need to do a little bit more um, with the resources that we might be getting um, on our end, right, to actually become an added value to the whole uh, DEI movement. Who's your favorite point guard in basketball? Ah, uh, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Kyrie Irving? Yeah, with the shot. Yeah, really? okay. Kyrie. Hands not, down. not Magic? Kyrie Irving. Not Ireland Iverson? Um, uh, oh, Glenn go hit me there. Uh, all right, we will move <laughs> on from that. You're also a Browns fan, right? Die hard. Die hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to do this year? Um, I think we'll finish strong. Um, and that's not just because I would like to do work for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> but uh, I do. I think we'll finish strong. I think that um, Deshaun uh, will uh, really get into his groove a little bit more. Um, and if we can stay injury free, um, I think we'll do well. So 15 years in business and greater Cleveland construction for next generation. What is the what is the next generation? What's the next 15 years? What's for, for next generation as well as what do you foresee for Cleveland? Wow. Um, once again, I'm glad he made it about me. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm very optimistic uh, about my future in particular um, in Northeast Ohio. Um, I mean, I do want to become uh Higley or a Donnelly's or um, yeah. those, um, uh, storied institutions, you know, the rulings, you know, the Mm -hmm. ones that have, um, you know, really grown, uh, into, um, a relevant, um, uh, construction company. Um, so I think that's my ultimate goal. I think that Northeast Ohio have uh, unlimited potential, right. Um, and I can say that now because we have strong DEI initiatives, right. If it would be interesting to see if the world um, were still intentional, if initiatives were actually um, removed, um, I do think that um, <clears throat> I, I think that um, I've built a strong team. Um, I think that I'm a very attractive company um, to um, to work with. Um, I think, like I said, I started my company with my two belt. Now I have about 75 employees. Um, and, um, I think that Northeast Ohio, um, in particular, um, have immense 
um, opportunities. And I'm, I'm very hopeful that, you know, when certain initiatives do change, um, that the North remembers all the great things that Next Generation Construction have done and uh, those who have come before us. And um, I am hopeful that um, those same friends that I have inside the rooms, right, that mm-hmm. that are because of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right, that I'm still in those same circles, right? I think that's one of the biggest challenges in our arena, um, being intentional, right, and being honest, you know, would, would I still invite this guy to my party, mm-hmm. right? Um, would I... You know, uh, we didn't grow up. And I think that's, and sorry, I always got to go uh, DEI. <laughs> right? But I think that's half the battle, right? I went to East Tech High School. And so that I've never encountered not one person that has been able to help me or give me access or get me into the room that actually went to high school with me, right? So when you don't grow up together, when you, and, and sometimes it's not racism, I'm just to be honest, right? Every time it's not systematic racism. It's just, I don't know you. Right. <laughs> you don't know me, right? I, we didn't go to school together. We didn't play red light, green light together. We didn't play basketball together. We didn't do any of those things, right? So if, um, if um, you know, if there is not an intentional act to get us to connect and get us inside the same room, right? Are you going to be willing to do that, Um on your own. And I think that next generation construction in particular have um, the necessary tools to be a great added value to Northeast Ohio in particular and, um, and to the construction union as a whole. So relationships matter in life and certainly matter in construction and partnerships and, you know, the whole uh, connection piece and, probably creating that sustainable, equitable, all of those relationships and having people understand your value. I mean, I don't know, and this is a question that's maybe a fastball, hardball, but (laughs) what would you say is a model for you as a business person today uh, that you'd want? I mean, so there's next generation construction uh, that probably has a motto tagline, which I don't recall, but what what is there a, a personal philosophy that you'd say you'd really want people to know or think about you and or your company? One hundred percent. So I live and die by two two things. Right, one customer service. Um, there's if there's no way an email should not get answered within hours. Right, I don't care who you are, how busy you are. Right, the person, um, your customer is the most important person. There's no excuse, no anything. And I get livid over something that small, honestly. Um, that's a really hard pet peeve. Um, and I think, uh, I was wondering if Myra, you'll see I'm a little bald over here. <laughs> so, uh, stress. Uh, but the other would be um, great strategy, right? And it really takes, it It allows you not to be selfish. Um, I always figure out a way how to make the person that's sitting across from me win, right? Because if you win, I win, right? Yeah. That's relationship building. So, um, and also that's, um, you're creating something that's going to last and something that's going to be a little bit sustainable, right? Um, if I win a, uh, by myself, then it was transaction. And in order for both of us to win, then it got to be some type of added value 
to the complete process. So you'll hear me talk about added value over and over and over and over again. It's just because I believe in that. And it's always been, um, I mean, you can see by me working for the cabinet maker for free, right? Me working for that company for $10 an hour, right? I mean, I valued um, what they had to teach a yeah. little bit more than that dollar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty confident on myself when I got the, when I got the information mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, access to, um, you know, the data, you know, needed to be successful in any field. Yeah. So, uh, investing in yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Importance of, uh, data numbers, <laughs> spreadsheets, right? You, you really look at that and kind of that whole kind of knowing what, what's going on. Right. So is that, yes. is that another message you'd share with up and coming or aspiring contractors or businesses? 100%. Interesting enough. Um, so, uh, and then there's a contractor night school that you could talk about <laughs> as well. Maybe fair enough. Uh, interesting enough. Uh, Chris Paul, uh, not Chris Paul, Rich Paul. Um, actually his book came out today and I'm halfway finished with it. Right. So I mean, I got it really early to read it wow. and, um, I really enjoy really enjoyed it. Um, enjoying it, but, um, just the, uh, numbers, right. Numbers for me is the, I'm very numerically driven, Right. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, sometimes I don't even want to have a conversation. Let's just put the numbers out there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> numbers do not lie. Right. You, you remember that show? Everybody hates Chris's dad. <laughs> like that's seventy five cents right. worth of chicken. That's me. That's me. One hundred percent. Right. So I live and die by spreadsheets. Um, and uh, I think it's been has been that has been the, one of the keys to me scaling right falling in love with estimating good for you you know falling in the love with storytelling through numbers contrast through having a conversation mm-hmm. um it is so funny and like, people listen that way like um, that's the best way you can communicate mm-hmm. yes 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 and and it's funny um we'll have a meeting and somebody just my team in particular and, you know, no numbers have been pulled out. It's like we haven't had a meeting yet, <laughs> you know. So uh, I think, you know, just being driven by um, spreadsheets and metrics. And um, I think that's that's really how you scale. I mean, I have, you know, I want to get into backlog and things of that sort. Right. But um, if you don't know. If you don't have the numbers in front of you, right? right? How do you know what you could do, right? And I think that that's probably, and I don't want to get too deep into that, but I think that's one of the advantages that, but that's one of the advantages I've had with working inside that office, right? Sure. Culture matters. And one of the biggest struggles in the diversity community is having to build that culture first generation, Right. Can you imagine not having access to that information? Like people say, oh, Shaq did it. No, Shaq actually had access to the room, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So I didn't just I mean, now I'm not going to say that I didn't have uh, I'm not special. And, you know, because I had a choice of what I was going to do with that information when I got it. But um no, I've just I just had an opportunity and I kind of <laughs> ran with it. Right. And so. Well, uh, we've really appreciated the time to hear your story and kind of get to know you and don't know if you have any uh, things we haven't covered or Myra, any final things you feel we should inquire Mr. Davis about? Well, I mean, I just want to say that it's truly an inspiration and your story speaks on the importance of other 
black and brown businesses to keep going forward and finding the room and the associations like CEA to help them move forward. Um, and I, I, I think you're, the name of your company is so appropriate. Mm-hmm. Next generation, next generation for the community you serve, for the children and your wife. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's truly um, you're leaving a legacy and it's really great to hear your story. So thank you for sharing. You know, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks, Myra. Yep. So on this episode of the CEA podcast, we've sat down with Shakori Davis, who's the president of Next Generation Construction. Shaq, we uh, appreciate hearing your story, having you as a member of CEA and being to have you in the room. Uh, today and, and other days and your you know leadership with uh, within the industry, within the community in the city and uh, working with elected officials, public officials, organizations, institutions, community. Yeah. Uh, it really is a yeah, uh, it's, it's a great, great story. And you've been a successful contractor, business owner and family man, which I know is important to you. And yes. make sure you keep the family um uh, uh, spirit alive for the Browns <laughs> games and the uh, the food that they have served right, there, right? right? That's what they right. go for. They don't go for the team. Right, right, right. right. My, my wife and daughters, they go to the game for the snacks and food, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you do that at home, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, again, thank you for today and thank you for your continued involvement with us and CA in the industry. So thank best you. wishes. All right. Thank you both. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.